Welcome to the Making Connections podcast with your host, Spencer Raposo. This podcast was made to interview current registered kinesiologists in Ontario and talk to them about what they do and where they see the future of the profession going. The goal of the podcast is to get a conversation going about kinesiology as a regulated health profession in Ontario. Each episode, we'll bring on a new guest with loads of experience as an ARKIN that will share their story and any advice for any new ARKINs and kinesiology students about current opportunities in the field. In this episode, I interview Marion Barnick, a registered kinesiologist and movement specialist. After receiving her degree from the University of Waterloo, she continued her education with certifications from Roy Matheson and Associates, Gray Cook and the Functional Movement Systems, and the Center for Research on Pain and Disability, to name a few. She spent the last 25 years working with thousands of patients from a variety of backgrounds. Her specialty lies in her ability to evaluate movement and develop the corrective strategies to improve abilities and enhance function, whether it's for clients returning to work, improving their daily function, or improving their elite sport performance. In this episode, Marion tells us her story about fighting to get treated with respect early on, being the first kin to be recognized as a CWCE, and how to reverse engineer your goals for success. Hello, Marion. Hey, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Not too bad. Awesome. So first, I want to thank you, Marion, for coming on to the Making Connections podcast today. And um, thank you for taking your time out to do this. Absolutely. My pleasure. I um, am happy to help any fellow kin. So um, ask me anything you need to know. <laughs> happy to share. <laughs> Awesome. So with over 25 years experience working as a kinesiologist, I'm excited for you to kind of share your story today. Um, but before we kind of get into that kind of background story, uh, I want to start by jumping right in and let's talk about how long you've been a kinesiologist for them. Um, quite a long time, over 25 years. I graduated Waterloo, uh, University of Waterloo in 1992 and started working as, back then, it was a certified kinesiologist. I became certified with the Ontario Kinesiology Association and have continued to this present day working as a kinesiologist and now a regulated health professional mm -hmm. with our college, which I'm really happy that we have. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that was something that was just, you were just probably grandfathered in, I'm assuming, um, so you didn't have to write the exam. Well, thank you for making me feel old, but yes, I was. <laughs> Absolutely. I did not have to write the exam uh, based on experience and time working as a kinesiologist. We certainly had to answer with respect to the hours we put in and the type of training that we've done. But yes, grandfathered in, and it was something that a lot of us have worked really hard um, to get that regulation for our profession. I know I sat on the board with the OKA for a number of years, mm -hmm. and that was definitely one of our big mandates was to get sure. that regulation. Yeah, and which I do thank you for because it, it allows younger and newer kinesiologists that are just kind of starting, you have that kind of head start, whereas you guys really had to work hard on that aspect of getting it regulated. 
Oh, absolutely. I know when I graduated back in 92, that was something to say, okay, I'm a kinesiologist. I'll become certified. I know this is what I need to do to, you know, make sure I have my insurance, make sure I belong to a, an association that will support my, my practice. But to find a job and to find work as a kinesiologist was so different back then mm-hmm. than it is now. And those avenues really weren't open. And it was definitely, um, I'd say a fight at times to really make sure that um, a we were treated with respect within our um, expertise in biomechanics and human movement, but also to ensure um, from a pay grade and from a respect within the healthcare community that uh, we were given that uh, mm-hmm. you know level playing field, so to speak. For sure, for sure. So with that sort of in mind, I, I want you to kind of start and begin kind of talking about your background story. So starting as early as as you want, let's say we can start as early as when you kind of graduated and kind of going from there to how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely, Spencer, no problem. I, um, as I said, I went to Waterloo and part of the process in deciding to take kinesiology was because of my years uh, running track. I was a, um, a sprinter in high school and I ended up with some knee injuries and trying to get treatment and going here and there and everywhere for uh, proper exercise and orthotics and things like that. And it really opened my eyes to the avenue of biomechanics and movement. So not just treating a symptom, mm-hmm. but actually trying to delve into how I was moving, what I was doing and how I could facilitate becoming better on my own. And I met um, a worker at one of the clinics whose father was a kinesiologist and she was telling me all about it. And I thought, wow, this is what I want to do. This is amazing. It's sports, it's movement, it's exercise. It's, you know, a healthy type of um, profession. So I applied and got into Waterloo and had an amazing time at that school. Loved it, loved what I learned. And upon graduating, as I'm sure most people who graduate with their undergrad think, okay, Where's the jobs? Mm -hmm. What do I do? How do I find where, where's it listed? Certified kinesiologist. And uh, I started working in a gym as a lot of us did back then. And so we were sort of classified at that time as, you know, a personal trainer with a degree. Yeah. And it was definitely something that wasn't looked upon with any type of prestige. And I know my first job that I got at a clinic, they were opening up a rehab program and they wanted me to run it. And I was all excited about that. And I was getting paid less per hour than the secretary. (laughs) And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I went to school. I've got a lot of loans and I've got a lot of education and feel, you know, qualified to do a lot. And not to say that uh, Donna at the time was not qualified to do her job, but I thought, mm-hmm. wow, this really doesn't make sense to me. And it started me questioning where that, was there a salary cap? Was this, you know, did I pick the wrong career? Was mm-hmm. there something that I really didn't look at? And I asked for my raises and I fought a little bit here and there to say, hey, I'm bringing in all this income for you doctors. I'd love to make more money. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided, you know what, I don't want these barriers. I don't want to have limitations. And nine months in, I decided to start my first business, which was called Kinetic Health. 
and I started running uh, rehabilitation for um, people who had, had post-surgery as well as motor vehicle accidents. And I worked out of a gym. I learned how to uh, run a business in that aspect. How do I sign contracts and rent out gym space? And how do I find clients? And yeah, that was the start of my entrepreneurial ship as a kinesiologist. Mm -hmm. No, that's definitely something that you'll, I've chatted with a lot of kind of other um, kinesiologists on this podcast that went into that sort of first job whether that was a kinesiologist in more of like a kin slash PTA role in a clinic or they were at a gym. Um, and then a lot of them recognize early on that it's kind of like, like you said, the value of your, your knowledge and your skills isn't seen. And a lot of them I've seen do very similar things that you did that they kind of were moved on and wanted to start their own thing. And now they're able to be in more control, which is what you really wanted to point out, that you wanted to have control over all this. Oh, absolutely. And it certainly wasn't just financial control, but it was control over my ability to support what I wanted to do, which was work with patients, was to help patients implement the expertise that I was growing with, with my foundation as a kin, mm -hmm. um, with biomechanics, with movement therapy, and really extrapolating that knowledge into real world experience and just supporting, helping more and more people. And to me, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I liked the work with patients. I liked the energy it brought. And albeit there certainly is that requirement for um, passive modalities and uh, working from a clinical side, it wasn't what I was looking for. And it certainly wasn't what I thought kinesiology would bring for me. So I basically created my own uh, role as a kin with what I was doing. And back in 93, that certainly wasn't something that uh, one was doing, but uh, I had no idea, you know, no idea I was frontiering anything uh, in that regard until I went to take some certification. I was working with insurance companies and they were asking questions about, okay, are you doing assessments and how are you working with the numbers? And really got me involved in the science part of assessments and how can I add the objectivity to what I'm doing? How do I know if my patients are getting better? And I really got in depth in researching the functional assessments and how that works. And I went uh, out to BC where Roy Matheson was offering a course and I took his uh, CWCE uh, course. So it was five days and this is for your certified work capacity evaluation. And I sat with, oh, I don't know, maybe a hundred people or so. Uh -huh. And it was amazing, just amazing, especially as an entrepreneur to sit with like-minded people who are looking at the facets of learning on assessments. And at the, I guess it was the fourth or fifth day, Roy had said that, oh, well, you'll be applying as the assistant. And I said, no, 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 I, I want my CWCE. I'm, I'm going to be the evaluator. He says, oh, no, 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 you're a kin. You don't get to do that. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, like you came all the way here. Yeah, like you better give it to me now. <laughs> you took my money that I worked extremely hard for. Mm -hmm. And I've traveled out to BC and mm -hmm. I'm taking this course. And I, I was almost indignant in a way to say, how can you put this limitation on me that mm -hmm. this is just for OTs and PTs? And he says, well, kins always work underneath a doctor. And I said, uh, but I beg to argue with you that I'm running my own business. And he said, oh, you don't answer to doctors. You don't answer to chiros. You don't answer to a physio. I said, no, 
I answer to my clients who are employers and insurance companies. And of course, to the, to my clients who, you know, with whom I'm working. So I wrote the letters and I explained everything to him. And I was the first kinesiologist to be granted the CWCE from Roy Matheson. Jeez. So yeah, I was really excited about that. Um, and again, just uh, pushing through and fighting from the standpoint of saying, Hey, I know my stuff mm-hmm. and I want to be recognized and I want to have that CWCE after my name and I want that knowledge and I want to be able to take those courses and say, yeah, you know what? I, I can do this stuff. So that was, uh, that was fun. So that certainly got me into the evaluation standpoint of things. And I love the science and the research and mm-hmm. it actually um, brought me into starting the company independent mobile assessment center in 1997 So that was where I grew from the rehabilitation and working with small groups and one-on-one with post-surgical patients and MVA patients to say, hey, I want to do these FAEs. I want to do these PDAs. This is uh, is science. This is fun. So I started that and started working with larger insurance companies, with long-term disability insurers. Um, and I started traveling across Canada doing assessments. So it certainly Mm -hmm. grew. My expertise was looked upon as a standard of practice, which initially wasn't there. Um, There were still some insurance companies that would call us and say, hey, I need an OT to do a functional abilities evaluation. And I said, well, we're a group of kinesiologists, and we do these assessments. Oh, we really want an OT. And uh-huh. that would start the conversation. I'd say, why? Uh-huh. And so we talk about what our expertise was yeah. in, our biomechanics courses, uh-huh. and push through and say, you know what? Give it a try. If you do not yeah. like how we evaluate, then you know what? We're not going to charge you. And I was that, you know, that sure of ourselves as a group of kids uh-huh. that we were going to do okay. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Um, that, you know what I mean? Like that sets, <laughs> that sets the tone for people like me coming into it. Be like, because I know going into my first job, I got certified for like functional abilities evaluations. And I remember one of the admins there, she's been there for a bit. And she's like, I remember when it used to be OTs who used to only do this. Now it's strictly kin. So that flipped the switch and definitely have to say, give you a little thank you there for having that. <laughs> so that gives people like me some kind of more independence and have more skills that we can do. And, and it was awesome that you just asked a question not why, but why not? And that you're able to you know kind of show that's, that. That's a great point, Spencer. It is why not. It's, we have this background, but because the general public, because even within the health industry has been unaware of how we work and what we do, that we are not PTAs, we are not gym teachers, although that can be part of what we do and it mm-hmm. can be areas within our, our work as a kin, mm-hmm. it's not all we do. And I think that's where the limitation of how the profession's been looked upon has been a limitation. And I certainly wanted to ensure, as, as many kins within my area, like graduating in those early 90s, did as well to say, no, we're not going on to coach. We're not going on to be a teacher. We are going to stay as kins and we're going to work damn hard at it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's what we enjoy, you know, enjoy doing. So it's uh it's been a pleasure absolutely mm-hmm. so then after um working at um independent mobile assessment center for a bit um what kind of were your next steps after that and that kind of brought you to where you are now 
yes, absolutely. Good question. It's certainly the skills that I developed with uh, IMAC. That's just the short form for an independent mobile assessment center. Um, the acronym's definitely handy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of skill development, a lot of working with other kins, being able to hire kins, which has been fantastic, and train. So I ran a really in-depth training program with kins I would hire, particularly as new grads that were coming out to say, you know what, I've got this degree and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, 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 come on over. Let's, let's see where you're at. Mm-hmm. And um, working in that functional premise, um, I developed skill sets where I was uh, qualified as an expert witness. We have court cases. Um, I worked with a lot of insurance companies to be the guest speaker on the platforms for either their training or with their unions to show what we would do from a functional standpoint. Uh And it a lot of fun, an awful lot of fun. But I started to miss the joy of working with patients. Uh I would work with the patients. I would evaluate the patients, but I wouldn't get to see where's the end point. I can see that your hip flexors are tight. I can see that if we did some gait training, how much improvement you would have. And I can see where those shoulders are. And I know what stretches you need to do. And I know how we need to fix this, uh-huh. but I didn't get my hands on there. And I needed my hands on there. And that's when I went back and said, you know what, from the, not only the, the joyful part of it for my own, um, I guess where I am in life and wanting to have more of a, I, I guess a positive input mm-hmm. in working with people But also the big picture, I think at that point, I felt very secure in my skill set. And I think when I had just graduated and had kinetic health, it was, okay, I get to work in a gym and I get to do some MBA rehab and that's okay. But now, you know, how many years later I can say, wait, I can make a difference Uh and I want to make that difference and I feel secure in that skill set. So I started just as a personal brand with marianbarnick.com. And the two areas with, uh, that I'm working in to really push are with the rehabilitation for breast cancer patients who are either post-surgical or who've just been diagnosed. And then also working with high achievers who do not want to have limitations set on them. So you can see that little trend there. Uh-huh. I don't like limitations. And I hate to see that the body would be a limiting factor in anyone achieving what they can. So I've worked with young athletes who may not quite have the biomechanics that they need to get to that next step in their sport. I'm working with high achievers that may be in corporate that don't have that time and they need to be online to have the evaluation to see where their dysfunction is, to see where their asymmetries are and put them on a program that's going to get them more productive for their private life, but also more productive in work, because it certainly is a well-rounded thing when you look at um, how your body moves and it's not just physical, it's with the mental health, your productivity and, and really how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's, I call it getting to your best potential. Mm -hmm. And that um, kind of niche kind of segment with the breast cancer uh, patients, I, I believe kind of taking a step back a little bit, you kind of worked and helped develop a well-fit cancer exercise program that kind of, was that program there something that you were interested in before and kind of continuing, or was it something that you discovered and then you found that you enjoyed working with the, these, uh, this population? 
Look at you doing your research. You're good. Yeah. I, do, I, good I, think I, I think I study more for these podcasts than I did back in school. So, Well, you've done well. Yes, that is mine. Back in 2006, I brought the first cancer exercise program to Sunnybrook and developed a research protocol for them with breast and prostate patients. Mm-hmm. And it took, of course, working with a large um, facility and such a prestigious facility as Sunnybrook, there was a lot of T's to cross and I's to dot, but I had a referral um, with re- uh, through functional assessments, like through IMAC, uh, for a cancer patient. Mm-hmm. And I could see the limitations that were there for her. She was uh, being evaluated to see if she could go back to work mm-hmm. and... Um, I said, you know, what kind of treatment did you have and what was going on? We did our initial evaluation and our chit chat. And she says, oh, well, you know, I had surgery. I had chemo. I had radiation. And I said, and after that, she goes, well, then I went home. I said, well, what did you have any rehabilitation? Did you have any treatment? She says, well, no, no, no. I, I, I had breast cancer. I didn't have, you know, an injury. Mm-hmm. I didn't hurt my knee. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord. Um, she can't reach in her cupboard. Her shoulder's not moving. She's mm-hmm. got so much neck pain. There's no rehab. There's nothing. And that started me again in that research mode mm-hmm. of there's got to be something to help women like her that are just being, because it was the two-year mark. They've given her two years to go through everything and let's see if she can get back to work. But there was no treatment. There was mm-hmm. no support. And she was, you know, she's telling me, hey, I'm lucky I'm alive. Yes, that's fantastic. Do you want more? Mm-hmm. And she didn't think she could have more. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, you can. You can have more. Let's, let's work on this. And mm-hmm. that's where I started developing the program. I started working with a small facility in Santa Barbara, California, and chatting with them, chatting with um, uh, one of the facilities in northern Colorado to see what they were doing. Uh, Rowan Siegel is a doctor in Ottawa. She was running through the Ottawa Hospital a rehabilitation program run by a kin. Mm-hmm. And I went out to visit with him and we started saying, hey, what are we doing here? And that's where I uh, developed the protocols, developed the programs and brought them to Sunnybrook and said, hey, let's do something. And they said, yeah, let's do it. So I ran their first research and they would come to my gym and we would do our exercises and Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And they were, you know, frontiers for, for their groups. And they would go back to, you know, whether it was sitting around when they were either having chemo or in their group discussions to say, hey, exercise is good. This is helping. So it sort of went on hold when I had my son at the end of 2006. Mm-hmm. And then as he, you know, he's growing up and he's watching the work I do and watching basically my give back and me being of service. I thought, what's the best way to show him how work can really give back and how you can feel so alive and so, as I said, of service. Mm-hmm. And that's where I thought, I'm getting back into this. So I you know, looked and continued back with research and opened the doors back up for the cancer um, program. And that's where we're going and offering it online to reach more people, and which has been great during COVID, of course. That yeah, for sure. For already, sure. Al- already set up online for this. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's, uh, it's been fantastic. It's great. So 
um, well received within the breast cancer community. And certainly I am not a breast cancer survivor. So it's something I thought, you know, is this, will I be welcomed? And will this be something sort of outside of the scope? And no, amazing community. Uh And they are looking for that information. They are so hungry to receive um, the news and the information and the treatment that kinesiologists can bring. So it's been fantastic. Awesome. No, that's definitely a, a good story and a really vulnerable population that you're kind of helping that, like you said, wasn't getting that treatment that they maybe should have gotten. And it's, it's awesome that you're able to kind of expand to the online services that you can help a lot more people, even if it's just educating them on different blog posts or working with them one-on-one. So with that in mind, what I want to talk about now is kind of what you do exactly in your role at marionbarnick.com. So I think we sort of understand listening that, yeah, you provide movement therapy to individuals, either high achievers or to the breast cancer um, clientele. Um, Talking about kind of what you do with them, talking, let's say, what kind of maybe assessments that you use or do, what kind of treatments do you kind of use and just kind of explaining your, the method to your madness. Absolutely. Spencer, no problem. Um, I guess it sort of goes back to my philosophy of movement and that um, guides everything I do is looking at how somebody is moving, evaluating, and then determining what's required. So my philosophy of movement is based on, I call it a foundations first framework. So I always start with mobility And if there is a problem with mobility, so we are looking at range of motion, we are looking at evaluating function and determining if any of the limitations in the function that's required by the patient. And again, this is individualized because every patient is different. If I'm working with an athlete and I've got a young tennis player that's got to serve, that shoulder range of motion and the torsion through the hips is a lot different than if I have the functional premise of someone who is, let's say, over 60, whose goals are to go out hiking and to swim. We don't have that same standard of movement required Mm -hmm. when I'm looking at is functional movement. But if there's a limitation in what they can do, we're going to start with mobility. And that's that's where I really find myself set apart from some of the programs and some of the protocols that are being stressed or are being articulated through social media is that let's go out walking and let's do some resistance training. And you know what, that can be fantastic. But if Mm -hmm. you don't have your mobility first, if you don't have the range of motion required for your function then your function will never be to your best potential. And then your risk of injury and your risk of the symptoms related to injuries, your aches, your pains, your tightness, your inability to push forward is going to take over. And um, that's where I find that I'm really, again, pushing forward to say movement is first and that movement starts with mobility. So having that range of motion check, taking a look at the joints, seeing if there's anything that needs to be worked on. So, you know, when we talk about walking, uh, that's a big thing for breast cancer patients where they are told to go out to walk and they are told now that they need 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise. 
but the limitation is there because they have calf tightness, because they have balance issues, because of mobility issues that they don't even know why their low back's hurting. Mm -hmm. But if we break it down and evaluate for mobility first, we can take a look to say, hey, you didn't work on your shoulder extension on that right side. So every time you're swinging your arm, it's not going where it should. And you're compensating by rotating your hips, which means that your ankle mobility is decreased on that side. And it's really breaking it down into those statuses of mobility that we can break apart, we can treat, and then build them back up to the next stage after mobility, which to me is stability. Mm-hmm. So if, if we stick sort of with that gait training, can someone stand on one leg? Do they have that hip, uh, hip stability to hold that position or are they sort of dumping that hip and dropping it down and using that low back? So after mobility, I get into stability before I get into the strength training. So mm-hmm. I really pull it back to foundations. And I find that's my strength as an expert in my field, as a, as a movement strategist and specialist is to break down the components, but build them up functionally. Because Mm -hmm. I think the body has to work together and just to treat someone who may come in and say, you know what, I've got shoulder pain, let's see what's going on. I would be really remiss as a therapist not to look at their cervical range of motion, not to look at tightness through the thoracic spine, and then not to look at the core because some of that pain, if they've got, let's say, really weak in the abdominal area for support in, an, in alignment and structure, we're, not, we're gonna have the cervicals take over to try and adapt as a core stabilizer, which can cause the problem. Mm-hmm. So I love the depth of it, but I also love breaking it down. And as kins, I mean, this is what we study. This is what we do. So my philosophy really is to get to those foundations and work at that mobility and then the stability and then get to the strength component. And too many times, I think, um, because of what we've heard, because of what we see, or because we're impatient in general, uh-huh. um, we just want to get stronger. And yeah. that's sort of the, the terms we even, even may hear that from family practitioners or even the specialist post-surgery to say, to get yourself stronger but we're missing those steps beforehand. Mm-hmm. We're missing sure. how to get stronger. So that's my big push right now is to really um, have people understand the mobility and it's the, you know, setting those specificities with the neural input and laying down those neural pathways and being mindful of your movement mm-hmm. that I really love getting in depth with that. So yeah. Um, my online programming that uh, I've been offering when uh, COVID first hit, I knew there were a lot of breast cancer patients who couldn't get out to see their therapists and they were getting one-on-one treatment for uh, let's say tight shoulders or pec muscles that were really tight or balance issues. So I was running online programs to support that movement and really explaining to them to be mindful of how they're moving. So they're empowered and it really is empowering when you can take control of how your body's moving, understand it. And then it gives you so many choices mm-hmm. to say, Hey, I'm not limited. And that's, that's my philosophy. Yeah. And what I wanted to kind of look at there was, was there any kind of specific courses or books, textbooks, people that you feel really influenced how you kind of what you talked about there, looking at mobility, stability, and strength, um, just to get an idea of kind of 
where you got that knowledge and how you gained that. Because that's even for someone like me who's trying to look at uh, building up my knowledge base of, of textbooks or courses or people to kind of follow. Yes, absolutely. And that's where there's a lot of research and you happen on someone and it's like, oh, this sounds good. This sort of goes with my thinking process. And as you read through things, you're like, yeah, that resonates. That makes sense. That goes with the teachings. And, you know, as a, as a Waterloo grad, I would be remiss not mentioning Stu McGill, of course, and, and mm-hmm. you know, looking at the biomechanics and looking at the back and looking at his research. And uh, Stu has done collaborations and talks with uh, Gray Cook. And Gray Cook is a physiotherapist that uh, developed the FMS or functional movement screen and the SFMA and has worked a lot with um, sports teams. So NHL, NFL, uh, a lot of colleges and the adaptation of taking function and then breaking that down as a therapist to say, we see deficits and asymmetries in function. How do we bring this back to the clinic, treat it, and then build you back up to whatever level is functional for you. Gray Cook is just amazing at his um, explaining it in very simplistic terms, but also going so in depth of how the body's responding, how we should be treating it, how repetition of a movement that we don't do well is not the way to fix um, dysfunction in the body Mm -hmm. so he's certainly someone that uh, I've loved following and um, I do have my functional movement screen certification through him uh, levels one and two so um, he's certainly someone that uh, that I look to for not only his research and his books um, but also his training for sure Mm -hmm. awesome so you would say it would be like those two sort of individuals Stewart's and Gray uh, Cook kind of being the main influences and how you kind of work with individuals? For me, yes, because I do take that biomechanics approach Mm -hmm. and I certainly look at my goal set as function. Mm -hmm. So those, those two really resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Now I would be remiss too in not shouting out for um, newer kins as well is the first line education program uh, run by Angela Pereira. Mm -hmm. And she's another kin uh, one yep. new grad yeah. and uh, uh, you yeah. probably have heard of her <laughs> yeah I'll, I'm actually gonna be having her on the show next week so oh that's fantastic that's funny yeah oh I love her she's amazing yeah I've and, heard good things um yeah she's fantastic and she again is a research-based kin um her and I have collaborated and had oh amazing discussions of um, our philosophies which we share on and she has certainly opened up her doors to assisting um, kinesiologists in understanding um, the pathways of what to do how to do how to evaluate how to run your business so there's a lot that she offers uh, kinesiologists who are looking for just that tweak that you may need to say hey you know what almost got it together i'm feeling mm-hmm. i'm falling a little short and i need something mm-hmm. angela's your girl so awesome she's great yeah yeah sweet yeah i was just looking for different people for even myself to kind of look up like those are definitely three people that i'm i'm familiar with so and i i figured some of them because you take a more biomechanical approach i was almost thinking you'd say someone like thomas meyer we're looking at like what is it called um like fascial lines and all those oh, if you kind of yes. that. 
I was I was almost expecting you to say that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Thomas Meyer's like movement train, I think it's called. Um, the, textbook. The fascial is definitely, and it's funny because you mentioned that, it's certainly something working with breast cancer survivors, um, stretching of the fascia and how the fascia moves and how it's involved in the body. And, and we take it for granted. We don't even think about it. Those mm-hmm. fascial lines are mm-hmm. so important. And is it on my radar to go more in depth with that? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to just make a little note for myself. Thank you for mentioning that to mm-hmm. put that on my study list, which, mm-hmm. you know, as we get older, it gets longer. The, the older we get, the more we realize we don't know. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Awesome. I, I'm glad I, yeah. Cause I was looking up him a little bit in terms of that, because I know that's been kind of something that's been, a lot bigger with a lot of the new kind of people on social media or different trainers or different fitness and health and rehab individuals. So before getting too off track now, um, I wanted to kind of go back and summarizing and looking back at your 25 year plus um, career as a kinesiologist, how would you, what would you rate your overall experience as a kinesiologist so far? Um, you know what? I wouldn't change anything. I think what I've gone through, the growth factors, the learning of it, um, being, you know, would I have liked to start later and had more groundwork set for sure. But you know what? It makes me so appreciative of where Kin has gone as a profession and just the personal growth myself with the, the learning of the profession, learning of the skill set. Um, I love it. I mean, I've had the, uh, um, the opportunity. I was accepted to chiropractic college in Chicago to national chiropractic college. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, five shoulder surgeries later, I'm thinking eh, chiropractic may not be the best career for me with adjustments and things like that so Mm -hmm. I you know asked him each year I'd have a surgery and I'd say oh you know can can I defer can I defer Mm -hmm. and I look back I'm like no I'm glad I stuck with Ken yes Mm -hmm. the doctor in front of your name sounds great but it's Mm -hmm. the work I do and it's the patients that I help I really believe that my kin degree has given me what I need. I don't need to go on and add to that. It is a degree that works well within the scope that I want to work in. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I've pushed it. I mean, I started when I worked, as I said, making less than the secretary. And then I remember sitting down and doing my taxes and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm, I'm over six figures here. And yeah, I think I'm just going to go and buy a house now. <laughs> and I mean, I'm a, I'm a single mom with a four month old baby and yeah, sure. I'm going to mm-hmm. go do that. And mm-hmm. self-employed it's yeah. The kin degree and being, uh, you know, within that profession has opened those doors to have, you know, six figure salary to not have the limitations of, what I want to do and actually to have the, the hours I need to set. My son has special needs and I needed to be around as a single mm-hmm. mom. I needed to be around as he does his sports, as he has things at school. And mm-hmm. um, it's definitely afforded me such an amazing lifestyle. 
And then the knowledge base for my own issues. I mean, as I said, I've had five shoulder surgeries. I've had a partial knee replacement. I had a car accident last year that I'm rehabbing from right now. And I think, gosh, if I didn't know what I know, I'd hate to not have this knowledge. So Kin has been great for me. So yeah, I, um, I understand that there are um, a lot of kinesiologists who have a plan that may involve uh, postgraduate study that they may want to do PT, OT, mm-hmm. Cairo, medical school. Fantastic. You know what? You have to follow your path. But I do not want someone who has completed their undergrad, who goes and writes their exam and becomes a kinesiologist to ever say, I'm limited. No, you're only limited by what you are going to do with your degree. So I don't want anyone to buy into the premise that you cannot do amazing things for yourself and for the population you serve with that kin degree. It is amazing. No, that's definitely awesome sort of words uh, for any of the listeners and even for myself not to really limit yourself and really make sure that you understand your role and your skills and your value that you bring. So moving on to sort of the next part, and you kind of touched base sort of on it before and how you've kind of helped build and be some of the first kins doing different things. Um, but now looking the other way, looking at the future of kinesiology as a profession I know this is always a topic that a lot of people have a lot of input on, and I'm, I'm really kind of curious to hear your input in terms of where you see the future of kinesiology going as a profession. Mm, interesting point, Spencer, for sure, because I think the fight is not over. I would love to say with our regulation that we've done what we've needed to do to level the playing field, so to speak, and be you know brought to the table as Um, one of the big players in the health community. Uh But until we get our profession listed with the insurers, with extended healthcare benefits, until we become the the leaders with our movement therapy and known for our biomechanics expertise, will we be at that level that I really think we should be? So it's the public really taking a look now to say, yes, we are regulated. We have specificities of our expertise and we should be included in providing those, um, you know, that, that area of expertise to the general public because there's a lot we can do. And I see the deficiencies. I see the populations out there that are in need. I know the OKA and I know Kins in general have done a lot of work with, let's say, diabetes, but we need to do more work in orthopedics. We need to do more work with special populations, getting in and working with kids that need support with proper movement strategies when they're younger. Uh These are all areas that we are experts in, and I really want the public to see that. And I want the funding to be there where it's available to to support us. So patients who can afford those one-on-one fees can find it within their extended benefits or what may be available to them, let's say, mm-hmm. through, hosp- uh, through the hospitals, post-surgery and things like that. So yeah. we still have a fight, but yeah. we're doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> and like for me, with one thing, I totally agree with kind of everything you're saying there about you really need to have that I wouldn't say respect, but that validity kind of being uh, more listed under insurance, extended health benefits and knowing our expertise. And I think one of the, one of the more limiting factors for us is not 
everyone that you kind of comes out of school has the same knowledge starting as a kin. So it's really difficult for, let's say, um, different insurance companies or different people to be like, okay, yes, we're, we're, we're experts in this, but I would definitely say you are way more of an expert and know more. Whereas I maybe not be able to say that as much. So I feel like either in an undergrad or maybe it'll be required to be a master's that there is some sort of not course or baseline knowledge, but some sort of information that sets us apart compared to a physio because a lot of the stuff that you just kind of talked about physios have technically been doing that so it's trying to find something that is differentiates us so whether that is yeah working with more chronic disease population and then kind of expanding from there so really specializing in something to get us known and then from there kind of expanding our our profession because right now I, f- I feel like it's very broad. So it's mm. hard for people to identify what a kinesiologist does. Because you do something different as a kinesiologist than me, than someone who's in health, uh, health and safety, than someone who's in a uh, gym, who's someone who's in um, different sort of things. So it's really hard for us to be unified when we all do different things. So I, I feel like that's definitely a huge barrier. You know what? I, I agree with you on that. And I think with the college and the regulations um, for um, health professionals, it should have helped more than it has. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not part of the college, so I'm not exactly sure from the mandate standpoint where that's going. But yes, it is a broad scope of service and a mm-hmm. broad scope of practice. And as you said, I'm delineated in, in a very specific area mm-hmm. and the need for, let's say, post-education training or specificity of training, or um, I know with the OKA, um, you know, you've, you'd have to have your accumulation of points every two years to show mm-hmm. that you were, you know, mastering within a certain area that, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't, I would not say no to needing that. Um, but I'd like to see it still within the profession or where we start offering um, the expertise in the, in the growth factor of those areas where we can develop that. And that's certainly something that I have coming up and it may be something of interest to you um, is a workshop for kinesiologists to take them through some of the training that I do and how Mm -hmm. I work with my patients Mm -hmm. and um, and just for kids, I mean, that's what, that's my give back too. So, mm-hmm. um, if you want to put that out there and just marionbarnick.com forward slash kinesiology dash training, mm-hmm. it's a, you can get your name on the wait list and it's just to have a conversation and work on skill set for kids and it's a give back. So, um, I just like to open that conversation to mm-hmm. see where we're at, take a look at what I've done in 25 years and maybe support the younger kids who are saying, Hey, where do I go with this? Well, maybe into the biomechanics side or maybe mm-hmm. into clinical practice. So for sure. And I'll make sure after a call to kind of get that information and try to, and for sure, not try to, for sure, include that in, in the show notes. So any of the kinesiologists listening can kind of look, get a little bit more information about that. So Thank you definitely for sharing that. I'm, I know a lot of people, including individuals like myself, feel like sometimes we need a little bit more confidence in terms of 
what we need to look at because I feel we don't have as much training in assessments um, that lets us be confident to kind of treat people because I feel like even for myself having a lot of background knowledge and working and experience working in a clinic I totally understand the whole treatment uh, sort aspect but I think a lot of akins and talking with a lot of students is a lot of the assessment is where they have that issue and having that confidence there to be like yeah like not having to diagnose but knowing what is the problem and and then Mm. usually they have the skills to kind of perform it but it's just knowing where to start I think is is something so hopefully your course will kind of look at sort of some of that and help a lot of the kinesiologists but no I I definitely agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying in terms of where we see the future going did you have any other points um the kind of input there before we move on to sort of the last bit no, not at all. And it's just something that I was thinking about because you and I had spoke about, you know, coming onto your podcast and being able to chat of me saying, oh, wait a minute, you know what, where is my give back? So that's where, so you're the one who started that. So you're the one that's completed <laughs> this uh, uh, kinesiology training, uh, you know, moving forward with this. So mm-hmm. I thank you for the input and just sort of opening up my mind a little bit to say, hey, where's my give back been to the kin community recently? Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. We'll we'll move forward with that. And if there's more room, you and I can chit chat and say, how do we push these uh, these kids forward to give them what they need? Mm-hmm. And and like you said, to really feel empowered with your degree and with your profession, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, support there. So thank you for uh, opening up my mind to that. No, of course, I'll make sure, like I said, to share that, and I'll definitely will be following up with you about that after the show. Um, so sort of lastly here, how I like to kind of finish up, uh, the show, uh, and the podcast is just talk about different, any advice you would give to any new kin. So even someone who's like myself, who's been a kin for three years, I'm still trying to figure out, do I move on? Do I start my own thing? Do I get another designation? Do I have a podcast and network with people? Um, what advice would you give for any sort of new um, Arkins? Yeah, excellent question. And I wish someone would have (laughs) had that information for me when I first graduated. So thank you for asking on behalf of all the kids. Um, What what you said, the networking, that's so important. Oh, the more kids I would talk to and the more people I could talk to and, you know, to build that security or to see what avenues were open, it's so important. So, establishing some type of network would be a fantastic way even reaching out is there mentorship somewhere that's a fantastic way to go and I'd also say start with the end in mind and reverse engineer your goals if you sit back and you say 10 years from now what would I love to be doing now, not lying on the beach, drinking a Mai Tai or being in Hawaii. I'm no. talking from a professional okay. occupational standpoint. Yes, That's we fair. can do that later. That could be the vacay, right? But mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, 10 years from now, where do I see myself working? What do I see myself doing? Am I in a clinic? Am I in a hospital? Am I working with patients? Am I working online? Am I in, you know, um, big corporations helping guide um, protocols? Where do you see yourself? And if you sit back and almost be like, go for a walk, be mindful about what it is that triggers that happiness in you and that give back, 
that's where you start because it doesn't matter what you think society wants you to do or where you think those limitations are start where you want to be and then start reverse engineering that to say well how do I get in that corporation what skill set do I need oh am I getting in with ergonomics oh I want to be in the hospital setting how am I getting in there am I working at a clinic first that starts you with a process you'll need but you got to figure out what you love to do first Mm -hmm. then reverse engineer it and by all means, when you search online, when you Google search in your locations, in your areas and say, hey, you know what, there's kids working here, or you go on LinkedIn and you do searches for kinesiologists, message them and say, hey, do you have 10 minutes to chat? I'm a new kin and I would love to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There are very, very few, I believe, that would ever say no mm-hmm. to supporting our profession and saying, of course let's talk let's chat how can I help out so mm-hmm. you know r- reach out and don't be afraid to ask and uh, don't be afraid to dream no for sure and I'll kind of leave and close on those remarks because I know for sure as someone who came out of school wrote the exam didn't know exactly what to do I reached out to a lot of people and how I got my first job was exactly because I reached out and there was just luckily a job opening at the exact moment I was just asking to volunteer a shadow and I kind of got that job. So I definitely am a true and big believer of kind of putting yourself out there and, and uh, making sure that you talk and network with people and kind of go from there. So, um, so what I want to do now is thank you so much today for that last 50 minutes of it, that was just an awesome talk. I thank you so much for kind of spending your time here today and uh, chatting with, with us and giving us that kind of 25 year experience um, that a lot of us are kind of looking for. Spencer, my absolute pleasure. Uh, it's uh, just uh, a privilege to speak with you. So mm-hmm. thank you for um, setting up the podcast. Thank you for bringing this education, this experience to other kinesiologists. So I, I super appreciate your work that you're doing in our community and definitely support that. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Yeah, no. And um, like I stated before, everyone who's listening, I'll make sure to link below anything that we sort of talked about, whether that's books, whether that's the kinesiology training um, and then Marion's contact information, LinkedIn. So if anyone does have a question, they can reach out to you if you have 10 minutes. So um, to finish up here, lastly, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. Thanks for taking your time out today to listen to this full episode. I look forward to releasing more podcast in- uh, interviews in the future. So if you know of any other registered kinesiologist that would be an awesome fit for this podcast, you can email me at makingconnections at gmail.com. And also, if you have any other questions, concerns, they can all be directed at our LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram page. Both are all at Making Connections Podcasts. Links, like I said, will all be in the show notes below. And thank you again for listening. Have a great day and stay safe out there from the Making Connections team.